This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 6, and we will be continually teaching on this topic that we have started way back when, some months, months, months ago, around God's purpose for the family. And for my portion of this, of this teaching, we'll deal with commanding your children in their generations. Commanding your children in their generations. And so first and foremost, you think about the topic and just going back and having some time to reflect. It says God's purpose for the family. And we have to always remember that this is God's purpose. It is what God is doing. It is what God has established. It's not what we think we should be doing. It's not what we, our society tells us or our culture tells us. It's God's. You know, you think about this. Without God, there, there would not be a family. Right? In other words, He is the one, God is the one that established family. He established father. He established mother. He established husband. He established wife. You know, those were the, the early teachings that we talked about around the purpose of the male. The purpose of the female. And now we get to dealing with the children and commanding your children in their generations. All right, so key scripture here, Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to start at verse number 8 because we're going to look at this man called Noah to help us understand how to command our children in their generations. Genesis 6, verse 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And now, I hate to pick this thing up in the middle of a, of a, of a conversation, in the middle of the context, because it starts with the word but. And, and the reason why we're saying the word but here, because at this time, God saw that it was wickedness on the earth, that man's hearts were evil continually. But Noah, in that time, was different, in a sense that he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And let's see why Noah found grace for the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, it says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah beget three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And so we see here that this man, Noah, it says here that he was a just man, that he was perfect in his generations. And I like how the, how the, the Bible says this and how the Bible words it, because it's interesting, he says around Noah that he was perfect in his generations, plural. And, and, and that, that says something to me, because when we think about generation, we always think about a generation to come. There's always something future in our mind. But think about this. Your generations first start with you. And so you are part of the generation. It starts with you. Then comes your children. And so what is passed to your children in their generations come from you. And what we mean by generation, generation is the time in which period that you live. So we all have our generations. We all have our time in which we live. We all have a period that we are here on, here on this earth. That is our generation. And that time of your generation, whatever you do in that time and having children at that time, you're going to pass that on to your children. It's passed on. 
in that time period. And it says Noah was perfect in his generations. In the time period that Noah lived in, he was perfect. Even though there was wickedness and corruption in that same time period, in that same generation. But Noah was perfect. And to be perfect in his generation, you must first be perfect in your generation. Get that. To be perfect in his generations, to be perfect in the time that you're living in, you've got to first be perfect in your generation. That means that there's things that Noah had that he had found with God that made him perfect. And that perfection led to him passing it on to his children. And so let's look at this word perfect. Perfect means complete. That which is entirely in accord with truth. Again, perfect means complete. That which is entirely in accord or one accord with truth. And that truth is based on God's words revealed to you and what you're walking in. That's what truth is. Truth is based on the word of God that has been revealed to you and what you're actually walking in. Now, let's keep your, your ribbon there in Genesis 6. Let's look at John chapter 17, a very uh, common passage of Scripture. John chapter 17 and verse 17. John 17 and 17 says... <clears throat> Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That means the word of God is truth. And that means everything that God is revealing to us, it is through his word. And what God has revealed to you, you are expected to walk in. That's what makes you perfect. That's what made Noah perfect. What was revealed to Noah in his time frame, in his generation, he walked in it. And that made him perfect. That made him complete with God. That's how he found grace with the Lord. So for us, think about this. What God has revealed to us in our generations, we should be walking in so that we can be perfect in our generation. And walking in this doesn't mean that it is not a, a, case, not a case where you just pick and choose what you're going to walk in. You've got to walk in everything that God has revealed to you. Everything God has revealed to you in this time frame, in your generation, you must walk in. Now go back to Genesis chapter 6. Because Noah was a great example of a man that God revealed himself to, given him his word, revealed his word to him in truth, and Noah walked in it. Now, Genesis 6, look at this in verse 22. Jump down to verse 22. It says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. And I like this three-letter word in verse 22. He said, according to all. That God commanded him. All that God commanded Noah to do, he said he did it. And as a man, as a father, as someone who is over, over the responsibility of the home, God will reveal these things to you. And his expect, God's expectation is for you to do it. You're supposed to do it. And, he goes, and I, I like it. Even though around him was corruption, even though around him was wickedness, he still stayed with God and did what God called him to do. And that's what made him perfect in his generation. Now he's able to pass on what he has walked in with God to his family. So now go back to verse number 8 again. Genesis 6 and 8. It says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and these are the generations of Noah. Again, the first one they mentioned in the generations of Noah, he says Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. <clears throat> 
And then Noah now beget three sons. Sham, Ham, and Japheth. So you can see the, 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 the progression that happens here. We start with the father Noah being perfect in his generations. And then he has now children that he's going to pass on the truth of God to them. And that's God's order to make sure that his word is, is passed on from generation to generation. Understanding the call of God upon the family. And so here's the thing around parents. And parents, when I mean parents, we're talking about the father and the mother. Understand this, parents. You are the teacher in your home. The children are your students. If you can think about it in that term. Again, there should be a difference between the teacher and the students in your home. And that means that the students or your children are learning from you. You being the teacher. Every time you are, are in your home, you are teaching. Every time. That means even when you, you think you're sleeping, you are still teaching. You're teaching when it's time to go to bed. You're teaching when it's time to rest. Everything you do in your home is a teaching moment. Everything. And your children are learning from your example. And you have the biggest influence in the life of your children. And so as, as parents, father and mother, don't lie to your children. In other words, don't live a life of lies in front of your children. What's a life of lies in front of your children? A life of lies in front of your children is making excuses why you are not in one accord with truth. And what God has revealed to you. You're lying. You, you, in other words, what children see in your life and they see you're not in one accord with what God has revealed to you, then that's going to affect them in their life. You're passing down hypocrisy to your children because they see in your life you're, you're a hypocrite. You make excuses to your children about your life being messed up. If your life is not going the way it should be going, understand this. Your life is a sum of all the choices that you make. Your life is a sum of all the choices that you make. Again, we see this with Noah. Again, in verse 22 it said, But Noah did according to all God commanded him. I'm going to tell you this. You can look back at your life and have you done everything that God has commanded you to do? Commanded you to do? Everything that God has revealed to you, have you done it? And if you haven't done it, you've made a choice not to. Because God is faithful. He has shown you things. He has revealed himself to you. He has shown you to put yourself in a position to hear from him during a time and season of your life so that you can pass it on to your children. And if you have not done that, then that's your choice. That was your decision. So parents, again, stop living a life of lies in front of your children. Stop blaming others for your life choices. Again, stop blaming others. Regardless of, of who your, your father is, who your mother is, regardless of what neighborhood you was born in, regardless of, of, of what your, your financial or, or situation is, stop blaming those things because of your life is messed up. Stop lying. Put it away. You have to own up to your rebellion, parents. You have to own up to your stubbornness. You have to own up to your disobedience. You have to own up to your unwillingness to change. That was you. But this man Noah, he did what God commanded him to do. This is an example for us to learn by. Because, like I said before, you are teaching your children every time, you, everything that you do in your home. It is teaching it. It's teaching. So make the changes, parents. Walk in truth. 
Stay with truth that's found in the Word of God. He says, sanctify them with thy truth. Thy Word is truth. If you're not spending time in this Word, in the Word of God, if you're not spending time in, in hearing God's Word, then understand that's why your life is messed up. God has put it out there for you, but you've got to go get it. God has put you in a position to hear His Word and to apply it in your life. And if you have not done so, then that is on you. That is not the blame of no one else. You are not perfect in your generation. You have not gotten to a place where you're walking in one accord with truth. And that truth is based on God's Word. Now, because again, this world, this world has plenty of facts. You know, we know the difference between facts and truth. The facts always change. We're in a dispensation we are in now that, that no one ever thought this, this day would come. The way we're operating now in, in, in this society. But God's Word is still true. The Word of God never changes. His Word is truth. So how can you be perfect in your generation? To be perfect in your generation. How can you be in a one accord with His truth? Again, let's go back to uh, uh, verse 9. It says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. To be plain and simple, to be perfect in your generation, you have to be just. I like that. He says Noah was just, right? You have to be just. And you have to walk with God. To be perfect in your generation, you have to be just. And you have to walk with God. And, and, and so let's just let's break this down when I say be just, right? Because it says Noah was a just man. So to be just, just means to conform to an ethical standard and moral standard established by God's word. Again, just means I am conformed to an ethical standard and a moral standard established by God's word. And we just said God's word is true. So that means Noah being just means he had a standard. And he conformed himself to that standard. And that standard was based on God's word, which is truth. That's how he was just. See, I don't know how people walk around and say they're just before God and they don't have a standard. And then if the standard they do have is not the standard based on God's word, it's not based on truth, then you're not just. That's just ignorant. To walk around and, and, and thinking that, hey, I am just, but you have no standard. And this is the thing about a standard. A standard never changes. A standard is who you are at all times. If you're, not, if you're not consistent in a standard, then that means you don't have a standard. The standard does not change based on circumstances and situations. Because it's based on God's truth. It is the standard of God. And as parents, in order to command your children in their generation, they must see you having a standard. Your children must see the standard that you have as parents in their home. And we always say this, and again, going back to the teaching of the purpose of the meal, that standard starts with the father. Father must have a standard in his home, a moral standard and an ethical standard based on God's word. He has to have that. And, and I'm going to tell you this, fathers, if you didn't have that standard, you should have never got married. You should have stayed at home with your parents till you learned the standard passed on to you before you, before you got yourself into a, bringing yourself and getting married with a wife and then having children. Because now, now your home is messed up. Because all they're going to see then, if you don't have a standard, is going to see inconsistencies in your home. And no one can get established with inconsistencies. The only way you're going to get established is having consistent standard. 
All right, so let's look at this standard, right? When I mention standard, there's two of them I mentioned for being just. I have to have an ethical standard, and I have to have a moral standard. And when I say I, I mean as a parent. And my children need to see my ethical standard, and my children need to see my moral standard. An ethical standard is a standard that is consistent behavior in your beliefs that align with your actions. The ethical standard is the standard that is consistent behavior in your beliefs that align with your actions. That means what you say, you do. That's, that's an ethical standard. You know, words, your children should already know that, that their parents have a standard that they already know how you're going to respond. And your parents and, and children should see your standard and what you say, you actually do. In other words, you are not a hypocrite in your home. You say one thing, but do something else. And many parents, many parents, most parents are hypocrites with their children. Here's one example for many parents. We talk about hypocrisy. They say they love God as parents, but their actions demonstrate they love this world. That's hypocrisy. That's not having an ethical standard. When you say, I love the Lord, I love God, but, but your actions align with you loving this world. That means you're always about gain and increase and progression when it comes to this world. You're in pursuit of it. You're in pursuit of the lust of this world. But you say out of your mouth and you tell your children, you must love God. But in the same mouth you say you should love God, they see you going off and going after your lust. They don't see you committed to any local church, any local fellowship. They don't see you lying to any of the God's purpose. They don't see you witnessing anyone about the goodness of the Lord. But they see you after that dollar, after what you want to get. That, that means you don't have an ethical standard. And that's not consistent with your beliefs that you're coming out of your mouth. Your hypocrisy. What you say, you must do. You're teaching your children to be established. See, Noah was a man that God spoke to him. He did it. Again, even in corrupt times, even in the wickedness that was around him, he had the standard. He had an ethical standard. And again, I say this again. Fathers, you must have this ethical standard in your home. What you say, you must do. In other words, those that preach the gospel, they must live of the gospel. If you're preaching in your home, which you should be doing, you should be living in it in front of your children. They should see the goodness of the Lord upon your life. You know, don't, don't go tell your children that you need this time for you to pray. And then your children say, well, Dad, I've never seen you pray. And then they, 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 they'll be like the disciples asking you, well, how, how should we pray, right? Because they've never seen you pray. You never sit down and taught your children how to pray, how to call on the Father, how to come into His presence, how to sanctify yourself, how to set aside yourself to be used by God. See, the, the children learn that from you. They learn that from parents. That's the standard. That's your ethical standard. What I believe in is who I am. My actions align with my beliefs. And then we have the moral standard. Now, the moral standard is a standard that is consistent behavior of what is right and what is wrong. Again, the moral standard is a standard consistent behavior of what is right and what is wrong. It is also the standard of a consistent behavior of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. That's my moral standard. 
That's the standard of what is right and what is wrong, what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. As parents, you must have this moral standard. And these moral standards of what is right, what is wrong, these moral standards of what is acceptable and what is not acceptable is all based on the commandments of God. And now I have, cha- I have taken the commandments of God and, and it made His God's standard my standard. I have adopted His standard as my own. And I don't hide behind that either. I don't go and say, well, this is God's standard, but this is how we're going to live. You know, I don't agree with it, but, but that's what the Bible says. No, I'm not playing games like that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, being, I'm being totally transparent. God's standard becomes my standard. In other words, my children, when they see my standard, they'll see God. My moral standard should reflect God's commandments and what He has said. And as parents, you have to teach this to your children. You have to teach your children what is right and what is wrong. What is acceptable and what is not acceptable? You have to teach this. And, and, and again, teaching them is based on God's Word. It's the Word of God that gives us instruction. Look at this in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3. Again, talking about this moral standard of what is right, what is wrong, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. It's all based on God's Word. God's Word tells us what's right and what's wrong. God's Word tells us what is acceptable and not acceptable. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, it says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, For instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God, so that the father, so that the mother may be perfect. Again, perfect means you're in one accord with his truth. So don't talk about you're in perfection when you're not in one accord with God's truth and you don't even know what what God's scripture says about those situations, about what's right and what's wrong. So that you can be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. See, notice that his word is going to tell you exactly what is true. What is perfect? His word is going to tell you exactly what is good works. See, I'm not here wondering, is that a good works? In other words, for a parent, you wonder, okay, is my child doing this activity? Is it a good works? Find out by the word of God. Let the word of God show you if your child is doing something is considered good works. Because the word of God is there to instruct you. It's instructions in righteousness. What do you mean by instructions in righteousness? What is right before God in which the word of God will tell you. And then here's, here's most of the, uh, the issues with parents. They don't know what the Word of God says. So that's how come they don't have a moral standard. And then they say, well, how do I come and find out what the Word of God says? Come to church. Listen to the live stream during this time period. Continually stay with the Word of God. It will teach you what is right. It will teach you what is wrong. It will teach you what is not acceptable and what is acceptable, not only for your life, but the life of your children. And that is your responsibility to pass it on. And I'll I'll give this example. Because here's something that that, uh, amazes me in this day and age that we are in as parents. For example, it is not acceptable. It is not acceptable for a male to feel like a female trapped in a male body. That is not acceptable. Not acceptable based on what? On God's word. 
It's on God. God has already laid out who a female is, who a male is. And as parents, regardless of what my child says, I must teach them, you are a male. And as a, as a parent, I must teach my child, if you, you're a female. I must show them, this is who you are, male. This is what you feel, female. I do not allow my child to come back and tell me what I feel like a male trapped in a female's body. It makes no sense. But as parents, you have to teach them this. Because if not, your child will come back and say, okay, well, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like a, a, uh, I'm, a, I'm a female, but I feel like a male trapped into a female body. The same thing. You have a woman that says they feel like a male trapped in a, a woman's body. But what does that feel like? How do you feel like, how are you a female and feel like a male? How do you know what a male feels like? See, that, that goes against God's nature. See, it's amazing how God set this up. God said he created them male and female, right? It's either one or the other. And, and once you're created that way, then that's it. It's not like you're changing it, right? You're not going back and forth. Well, today I'm a male, tomorrow I'm a female, in two more years I'm back to being a male again, in the next three years I'm back to female. It's not, God has created you that from the very beginning. And as parents, you know when your child is born, because you should have been there, you know exactly whether they were a male or a female. And from that point on, you teach them what is acceptable for a male, what is acceptable for a female. They should know that standard. That means they must have that ethical standard. They must have that moral standard. You have to teach. If not, children will come back and say things to you like, they feel this way, they feel that way. What if they said, today I feel like a dog? And we're so quick to say, you don't have, you're not a dog. See, that, they say, well, that's silly. Of course they're not a dog. It's, it's just that silly to say that somebody who was a male said they feel like a female. They don't know. They have the nature of what God has given them when they was born. That nature does not change. Let me, let me help you out. Me being a male, I can never feel like a female. As a male, I can never feel like a female. Why? Because I'll never have a female nature. Never. I may do things like a female, but because I do things like a female, don't make me feel like a female. I can never be a female. Never. And a female can never be a male. Ne they don't have that nature. It's a totally different nature. You don't have it. And so as parents, you've got to be very careful about that because you'll watch your children gravitate to certain things that society says are more feminine or certain things society says more male, masculine. And because of the, what they gravitate to, now you're saying, oh, they are this way, this, they're, just, they're this gender or they're that gender. No, that, stay with the standard of God. And teach. Right? Teach. If you have a son that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a baby or those baby years in their life, and you see them you know, picking up female dolls and playing with female dolls, there's certain things you're like, no, you know, boys don't play with those dolls. Start it early. What's wrong with them playing with female dolls? If you have to ask that, you need to go to the Word of God. See, it starts early. You know, in other words, my son, when he comes out, when he's dressed, he should be dressed like a male. My daughter, when she comes out, when she's, when she's dressed, she should be dressed like a female. 
And as fathers, parents, you should make sure that that standard is upheld in your home. That is teaching. See, the student is not going to tell the teacher what, what, the, what the instructions are. No, you're the student. You're supposed to receive the instructions, not tell me. And as parents, that's our responsibility. And I cannot drive this point home to you parents, right? That's commanding your children, right? Is there some, there's choices that your children just don't make. And, 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 and here's my thing, too. I don't care how old you are. You know, because your children can get to a certain age and also they, they move away from your house and also now they want to change. So, Dad, I didn't want to tell you that, but, you know, all this time I, was, I felt like a female, you know, as a son, so I felt like a female trapped in this male body. I'm like, boy, no, you, you're a male. I don't care how grown you, 30, 35, 40, it doesn't matter. You are, I'm still instructing you. See, this thing about being a parent, right? It never ends. You are always a parent. What I mean by that, you are always teaching. You're always making sure that your children are following after the God standard, which is found in truth. If they come away from that, no matter how old they are, then you have the responsibility to correct them. That is your job. It's not the job of the church. It's not the job of the, of the, of the system that's around them to correct them. It is the job of the parents to correct them. Now, if they don't listen, they have to make that choice. But they should never say that you didn't correct them. When your child does something that is not acceptable, parents, you must correct them. Correct them. And you correct them based on the Word of God. This is God's standard that you're not walking in. That's teaching. So again, parents, you must teach your children these ethical standards and moral standards. What does that mean for me as a parent? That means you are a preacher. Get that. You know, parents, you, you're preaching. You, who's, you, who's your congregation? Your family. You are a preacher and your congregation is your family. Your wife and your children. For fathers, you are a preacher in your home. Let your, parent, I mean, let your children call you preacher dad. That's what you are. You are a preacher. Where, where did I get that from? Look at Noah. Let's, now we, let, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter... 2 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 2. I love this, this illustration or this, this uh, witness they say about Noah. 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It says, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. It says here about the testimony of Noah that he is a preacher of righteousness. And, and again, if you understand the story of Noah, how he went out and preached for 120 years, but guess what he started preaching to? In his home. His family. He preached. He preached what God revealed to him. That's what made him, being when we talk about this, a just man. Again, he not only lived, I mean, not only spoke it, but he lived it before his children. He had this ethical standard. Noah preached. And so, fathers, you are preaching in your home. That means you've got to sit down with the Word of God, and what God revealed to you, you have to pass it on to your children. You have to preach. What does preaching mean? I've got to proclaim it. Then you've got to teach. That means I've got to explain it. That's what you, that is your responsibility, parents. Welcome to the world of, of parenthood. You are there to teach and to proclaim, to explain it. 
Your children are waiting for you to break it down on their level for them to understand. And so when do you start teaching? When they come out the womb. You start at the very beginning. Don't wait till they feel like you in your mind you think they can comprehend I'll start teaching. No, you start teaching when they come out the womb. Right? When they make that first cry, it says it's time to teach. Teaching that it's not all about you, it's all about Jesus. I'm preparing you to meet the Lord one day. Because God said He's going to visit the iniquity of our children. So you got to prepare your children to meet the Lord. Because He's going to visit them. That's why you got to preach to them. So you're a preacher. Right? Maybe that helps some of y'all when you think about, okay, now, are you doing things that a preacher would do? Because you, know, you always say, well, I ain't no preacher, so I can go ahead and do this and do that. No, you are a preacher in your home. Your children see you as the preacher. You are the preacher in your home. So preach on. Preaching according to God's purpose and His will. Just as no, the preacher of righteousness. So what happens in a home when we're sending mixed messages to our children? That brings forth confusion. Again, meaning that the parents, like I said before, they don't have this ethical standard. They don't have this moral standard. In other words, what I mean by standard, they're not consistent with it. That sends mixed messages in their home. Right? In other words, inconsistency can cause your children not to get established. You can't send mixed messages in your home. It means you have to be consistent. Right? So let's talk about inconsistencies. Where does inconsistency show up in your home? Because people may, or parents may feel like, well, I'm consistent. I do things that are, that are based on God's standard. I'm consistent. Well, let's, let's, since, I, since you're saying you're consistent, let's just fact check that real quick, right? Let's see where inconsistencies show up for parents. One way it shows up is your church attendance. Right? You know, and again, this time and we are in now where we're doing live stream, it's still your attendance is required. And if you're not being consistent in your attendance, and let me say this about your attendance. You may have been here when it first started, but then you drifted away and got distracted. You're, you're inconsistent. That means you need to sit down like you were here physically with us and listen to the whole message, taking notes to the whole time. Don't get distracted. Right? Don't wash clothes, do dishes, or cook something, you know, all those kinds of things. No, stay focused like you would be here physically. That's being consistent. And while that, having your whole family right there with you, sitting down there with you, going through these, this, these teachings, going through the messages. Right? Not being distracted. See, resist the urge. Because that inconsistency will, will show up in your children's life and they'll say that, oh, this wasn't that important. Because I'm going to tell you, if you're working remotely from home, you are focused. You have to make calls, and you've got to make meetings, you've got work to do, and you are focused. You tell them to they don't bother. You are focused. You are not being distracted if you're working from home. You are focused during some period of time. And so that's what you need to be here. And, and, and children see that. They say, wait a minute, dad and mom say, don't, dis- don't interrupt me when they're working from home. But it's okay to interrupt them when they're li- listening to the live stream at home. You're teaching them to be inconsistent, that the word of God is not that important. It's not that valuable. That's how inconsistency shows up. And what I mean about your church attendance, we're talking about everything. From our family life class, which is right now, to our Sunday morning services, to our Sunday night services, or Sunday evening services, to our corporate prayer on Saturday mornings, to our men of integrity fellowships, to our women of covenant fellowships. In all these cases, you know, this is when, when God will speak to you. 
He has established a point in time to come speak to you. And parents, you need to make sure that you are there first and make sure your children are there as well with you. They need to come to all that God has for them. And parents, then you need to be one that's showing them how important this is. Also, inconsistencies. Inconsistencies show up in your lack of honor and reverence to church leadership. Do you have true reverence, true respect for the church leadership? What do I mean by church leadership? Your pastor. Start right there. Do you have reverence and respect for your pastor? In other words, do your children hear you at home talk about your pastor? Because, get this, your pastor is also their pastor. So when you're talking about the pastor at home to your children, now they realize that something's wrong with this. Because that's my pastor too. And it's a shame that your children have to correct you by saying things about your pastor that you're like, why are you talking about my pastor? They have more reverence for the pastor than you do. See, that's inconsistency, right? Because, again, the truth is found in God's word of how we need to treat and honor those with double honor, those that labor in the, in the, in the, in the Lord, labor in the word. We should show them double honor. The labor is worthy of their honor. Double honor. So we should not be talking about leadership. And again, I start with the pastor, but again, anyone that's in delegated authority in the ministry. If you're at home talking about these things to your children, and here's our, our thing a lot of times with parents, right? They're going behind closed doors and think their, their children don't see that or hear that. Well, they didn't hear my conversation, but they see your attitudes. Again, going back to ethical standard. You say one thing, oh, I love being part of this aspect of the ministry, but your actions show something else. Children are like, wait a minute. Now, you say you love, uh, love like, say, for instance, you sing in the choir, right? You're part of the, the music department. And, you, again, you, in your words, you're saying to your children, I love ministering music before the, you know, before the Lord and, and being part of the music ministry. But they see you always coming late to rehearsals, missing rehearsals. They never see you practice. They always hear you complain about why they picked that song section, that song selection. Oh, I think we should do this. They, talk, you talk about those in, in, in leadership, the delegate authority for leadership in that area, right? Then that's going to impact your children. It's going to show them that you are inconsistent, that you have lack, a lack of honor and respect for those in leadership. And that's going to affect your children from being established. You know, it's hard to command your children to do something that you're not doing. They need to see you doing it. Also, your inconsistency shows up and you're lacking commitment and putting your hands to the work of ministry. Right? Are you involved in the ministry that you are, 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 are a member of? In other words, if you're part of Church of Living Water, then you should be part of Church of Living Water. It's more than just coming in and sitting down. You should have your hands to the work of ministry. And here's what a lot of people say. Well, well I would do that, but, that, but there's certain criteria in order to, you know, I'm not up to that, that level for criteria in order to put my hands to the ministry. You know, there's certain things that are, that are expected from me in order to be working in ministry. That is right. There's always standards. Going back, there's standards. You have to meet those standards in order to be used in ministry. That's right. We have to see that commitment. And if you search out the scripture, God has the same level of commitment. You have to have a standard in order to be used in ministry. That's right. Why? Because you're dealing with people's lives. And you can impact them by your lack of, uh, of, of, of discipline that you may have. You can't be up and down, here, there, and there, and then and people are looking for you. And we want to make people looking for you. There's an expectation you're supposed to be here at a certain time to perform a certain action in ministry, and then you're not there. Guess what? The ministry goes on, so somebody else has to step up and do what you're supposed to have done. 
So that's why there are, there are standards that are set up for ministry and for you to be part of that. Align yourself with that. But I'm going to tell you, children, watch that. The children, see how you say you love your church, but you never put your hands to anything in the church. Nothing. You can't commit to any auxiliary in the ministry. That's your inconsistency that shows up. That affects your children. What's another area of inconsistency that shows up? It's a lack of a consistent prayer life. Parents, you must have a consistent, effective prayer life. It is critical to your growth in your walk with the Lord. What do you mean by prayer life? You should be constantly talking to God. See, simplify prayer down to what it really is. It's my communication with God and God communicating with me. How can I say that God has, I'm walking in everything that God has said when I never even talk to him? God will talk to you. And he's going to talk to you through his word. That means you've got to sit down and talk to him based on his word. Talk to God. And you've got to do this consistently. What is consistently? If you've got to ask what consistently is, then you're not consistent. Right? In other words, I don't pray when I'm going through something. You know, now, again, we're in this time and age we are in right now, the season we are in now. You know, a lot of folks may be praying now. But even before this happened, even if you go back to two months ago, were you praying consistently like you are now? Or do you only pray when a, a, a circumstance, situation comes your way that affects you personally? The Bible says we should be praying always, making supplications and petitions unto our Lord. Always praying. And then once this time passes, right, are you going to stop praying then? Or are you going to stay consistent in praying? Your children watch you when it comes to prayer. Stop telling your children to go pray. Go pray with them. Tell them to, oh, you need to pray. Pray with your children. Pray with them. When the times we have corporate prayer, when you come in and appear for prayer, you should be praying with your child. Don't give them your child busy work when it's time to pray. They shouldn't be sitting here doing tic-tac-toe or doodling or drawing pictures or coloring books. No, they should be here praying. Well, they're too young to pray. Well, this is time for them to learn. They know how to walk and, and, and repeat after you. Let them walk and repeat after you. They, they're your little Mimi anyway. They, they mimic you anyway. So let them mimic you in prayer. It's okay. That's how you're training them. You're teaching them. Again, these are all teaching moments that you need to have with your children. You have to be consistent in them seeing you praying. But first, you've got to have a prayer life. If your children say, well, I've never seen my dad and mom pray unless something happened, then something's wrong. Pray your day. Pray your children's day. Before your child goes off to school or off to college or off to whatever they're doing, right, you pray with them. Pull out a sign. Even before you get in the car, even before your time, just stand on time, we're going to pray. And again, especially when they get teenagers, they don't want to do it. Hold their hand and pray with them. And you pray. And then after you pray, then you come to them and say, now I want you to pray. They say, pray what? And then you tell them, this is what I want you to pray about. Pray for your teachers. Pray for them. The kind of job they have to deal with you in their classroom. Pray with them. They need strength today to deal with you. Pray. Pray for your teachers. Pray for the administration at your schools. See, help them to understand it's not about them, it's about others. 
and teaching them in prayer to pray for other people that will help them. Because the only time they'll learn to go to prayer is when it's something they need. I need this from God. I need that from God. So that's all they'll think about when it talks about prayer. But understand, praying is about others. I'm going to pray for my teachers. I'm going to pray for those that are in need. I'm going to pray for those that are infected in this time. Even though I'm, I'm fine, I'm not in, in, in infected in this. But I'm going to pray for those that have been infected in this time. See, these are things that you can teach them to be consistent and learn from your behavior. And as parents, this is our responsibility. They don't know these things. You have to teach them. That's why you are called a parent. For children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. These are God's heritage that you now are calling your children, but it's your responsibility to pass on God's commandments to them. Amen? Alright. That concludes today's lesson. You can be dismissed. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.